This is a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. Right, the trigger warning for this next interview with Wellbeings. It contains themes of sexual assault and homophobia. Um, so there is a trigger warning for this morning. This is Wellbeings, director of the film Punch, which is showing at the New Zealand International Film Festival. You're on the one. Right, right now I'm joined by Professor Welby Ings, a director and screenwriter of Punch. Atamari, eh? Atamari, eh? How are you today? Wonderful, because the sun's just come out. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, um, the, yeah, the sun's trying to make an appearance down here, but even if it does, it won't affect too much, I would imagine. Uh, right, Punch is showing as part of the New Zealand International Film Festival. Um, I guess to begin, can you give us a little little bit of a synopsis? Uh, you know, tell us a little bit of the story. Um, so it's a contemporary story that feels quite timeless, mm-hmm. and it's about a um, uh, a young a young man and his relationship with his dad, who's an alcoholic, and the boy has become the father of his father. Yeah. So it looks at that relationship, and it also looks at the relationship. So he's a golden boy in the town. His father's trained him to be a boxer. He's very successful, very adored, and he finds himself falling in love with a takutapui, uh, a, a gay Maori musician, who's the same age as him, but is despised at the school. Mm-hmm. So it looks at, I, I always think of it as a love story that thinks about masculinity in this country. Yeah, and that's certainly something we need to look at, I can say that much. Um, the opening scene, you know, um, Jim, who, who is, is the son, it's a, it's his birthday party. He's young, his friends are standing around watching young Jim go through boxing drills with his father. Um, you know, there's a giant f- photo of a, a boxer on the wall. Um, it's, it sets a theme for the film. Boxing is Jim's life as a youth and it's a huge part of his life as a young man uh, and it's his father's dream for his son to become a successful boxer to you know help him get out of the town and, and, and things like that um, but it's also Stan the father you know it's all he wants for Jim you know there's no kind of a side to it I guess it's his focus is the be all and end all absolutely so um, I I tried to, you know, how oftentimes we, we grow up or we have friends whose parents, they love their child, but they are trying to live their life through their child. Yeah. And whether it's it's ballet dancing in the in the Utaku town hall, you know, or whether it's soccer or rugby or, or whatever, um, he's in a situation where his dad loves him, but the only way he knows to show it is to Ruth rigorously train his son to be the boxer he couldn't be. And 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 I tried to write, so all the main characters in the film, they're flawed, but I wanted to write a film that we would love them by the end. We would understand yeah. that despite their flaws, they really, his dad's doing his best. He's a solo dad. He's brought this kid up by himself. Um, he doesn't know how to throw a birthday party. They have sausages and bread wrapped up in white bread, you know, and he shows gets his kid to show the other kids how he can do boxing training. Yeah. Um, but but actually if you go down to the boxing club rooms, that the room the walls are festooned with every newspaper article that on the kid, every photo that's ever been taken the kid, every old pair of boxing gloves. And so 
You know, one of, one of the things I think uh, generationally we've got better, but we, we're often not shown how to be dads very well in this country. And we inherit from generations of our past. And this story tells a story where that has become dislocated. Dad who's been growing up, who's grown up with one idea of what it is to be a father and a son who needs to be something else, but also the father of his father when his father's world is falling apart. Yeah. yeah. So, and I thought it would be an interesting thing to look at fatherhood and the relationships between fathers and sons, as well as when that becomes further made more complex by the fact that the son moves from a presumed heterosexuality into being gay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and this is where that masculinity comes in again as, as well, right? Uh, especially fathers of Sands generation, you know, men are men, you know, uh, you put in the work, good work ethic, hard work. Uh, and, you know, and I see that in, in my father uh, a lot. And I, I saw a lot of my Jim, because my father's name is Jim, in Jim's father. <laughs> and my yeah. name is my name is Jamie, which is also Jim's name, so... Wow, that his father calls him at a moment of heartbreak, which is very cool. That's but, right. Um, yeah, so um, I, I think um, oftentimes how men show love is not often recognised by people from the outside of that. So sometimes we show love through dedication or through loyalty, you know, so we don't put it into words. So in fact, when... And in Jim's relationship with his dad, he talks to his father like he is his father. So there's a scene when he's under the bonnet of the car talking to his dad directly mm. about his alcoholism. And it's, he sounds like his father. He sounds like his old man. And um, and he also talks to Fetu sometimes as a, as a dad. And he's not trying to be paternal. It's just that that's how... That's all he's had role modelled because he's lived in this world with him and his dad in a house that's really sparse. You mm-hmm. know, there's very little in there. All the love is on the walls of the boxing club. Yeah. And so I just think it's... Uh, um, I, I think masculinity is sometimes wrongly shaped problematically. And it's not. It's actually full of love, but you have to be able to read it for what it is. And so we will often show rather than tell. Yeah. You know, yeah. So Stan can't say to the boy, I love you, but he can show it through dedication. And similarly, he's Stan is not homophobic. Like no. he says to his boy, I know, I know. And in fact, at the end of the film, you see, fuck you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. You right. want someone like this. You want someone like this for your dad who yeah. would turn around like a snarling dog and take someone on who insults his boy. Yeah, yeah. I was expecting him to be that. And so I really enjoyed the fact that he wasn't. I thought that was really important piece in the work. And I love that you brought you brought up the, the adorning on the walls and how we show love again, because I think um, as much as a story is told through dialogue, um, you use light and sound and image to convey feeling, um, complicated feelings. So that must have been quite challenging uh, and rewarding. Yeah, so... The truth is this took 15 years to get funded. Yeah. It was a struggle. Um, and uh, I'm I'm proud of the film. And I'm, I'm very heartened by the response of people who've seen the film, you know. But um, I think of the world as a character in a story. Mm-hmm. So I tried to paint the worlds will sometimes say things that the character can't. 
So the boxing club rooms go, you are my life. They say that from Stan to Jim because Stan yeah. can't say it. You know, um, and um, Fetu's furry on the inside just goes, I'm actually uh, delicate and beautiful, but in the outside world, I'll tear your lungs out if you do anything to me that I don't like. You know, I've got a mouth like a septic tank. I'm, <laughs> I'm really tough. But in fact, when we see him in his own world, his, the interior of that world talks for him. So yeah. I designed those sets and I made all the kete in his world, all that stuff, to to talk for the things that couldn't be said by the character. Yeah, yeah, and you did a, a wonderful job. And yeah, Im the imagery of the film certainly tells as part of the story. Um, now, there's other things, you know, it's an important film for, for many reasons, but there is a perception um, by some in Aotearoa uh, that we are a very open and free utopia. Um, normally that's a fiction kind of, and not a f fiction by accident, uh, it, it's some people's reality. Uh, but through um, the thought, you know, people that are liberal and kind of living inside of the bubble um, of, of like-minded people, but that's not the truth. And a lot of people, and it's not a lot of people's truth. Um, and I think there's a great moment in the film that kind of talks about that. You know, not every, you know, they, they, everybody thinks everything is pride flags, but it's not. And that yeah. is, yeah. And especially in some small town areas of the, but not necessarily in just in small towns in New Zealand. We can't just paint that picture because it's, it's not how it is. But I think that's a really important part of the film. It's showing that there is still that dark underbelly of, uh, un, not accepting things that are seen as different. I'm really glad you brought it up because, you know, one of the things we faced in the early part of getting this film across, people would go, oh, we'll set it back in the 80s when that was around. And you go, <laughs> you know, really, if you want to have a look at the youth identity, the identity survey from last year, 2021, over uh, 2,000 trans and non-binary New Zealanders interviewed for that, there's a problem. Yes. There's a problem. We have a huge problem trying to get our young queer men to report sexual assaults on them as adults. Mm -hmm. It's got, it's got, we're in a better place, still not a good place, but better incrementally for men to be able to report sexual abuse on them as children. But you try to get a man to talk about being raped as a man. That's really tough. So yeah. we've got, and and you know, if we if we look at it, this isn't about calling people nasty names. You know, that's that's not. It's about things like. So on one level, the nasty names things looks like the torrent of abuse that came down to that the library that did the Rainbow Story Time, which that had two people in drag telling stories to kids, but and all the attacks on the kids in Tauranga who at school tried to set a, a kind of a support um, um, demonstration up and they received, um, you know, in support of LGBTQ people and they received death threats and, and, but, and those things happen and they get in the media. But what the film was trying to talk about is the stuff that doesn't get into the media. And so that we live with, of course we want to believe there's no family violence. Of course we want to mm. believe that there's no racism. Of course we want to believe that, um, men don't get raped. Of course we want to believe those things because it reaffirms our identity as a good country. Yeah. And we are, but we are a better country for going, we try, but we must always remain attentive. 
And so it is the role of our journalists, our artists, our writers, our musicians, our filmmakers to sometimes take those stories up and go, and this, that our society is always a paradox and it's our job to be attentive to it, not to... So I, you know, I love this country very much. I am immensely proud of it. Our restorative justice system, um, the fact that we led the world in decriminalizing prostitution. I, I feel so proud of all that stuff, but so proud that I'm not prepared to let it, you know, I'm not prepared to go, this country I love is so good it never has to be aware of anything anymore. Mm, yeah, yeah. Kapai, I totally wholeheartedly agree and, and and the same. I carry the same kind of sentiment to that. And there's a great, there's a part in the film, and I don't want to give too much away, that kind of shows that with the teacher telling Fetu that we know and it's okay. And then the next thing you see is the complete opposite, you know. And, you know, and, and I was so happy for Fetu when he you know dress the way he wanted to dress and look the way he wanted to look and then what happened just you know it was heartbreaking and i'll let people see that but you know that that's the point you're making right there and, and i'm trying to make with this part as well that um you know you're in that bubble and some people might tell you oh it's fine and you go for your life but at the same turn you turn around the corner and it's a completely different situation you know and uh, you made a really interesting point before and i i was um i was I was really grateful that you made the comment too. This isn't just in small towns. So people go, I mean, you can grow up in, you can grow up in a family and a selected community that's very supportive and that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But actually people get queer bashed in cities too, you know, at one in the morning. I, I remember uh, about five years ago, uh, one of us, my other job is I work at a, I, I help people get their PhDs. And, uh, and one of my, one of the candidates I was working with, I came into work early and he showed up and I didn't recognize him. He was so badly beaten up. Mm-hmm. That was in Ponsonby in Auckland. Yeah. You know, and Ponsonby. he had been working, he'd been working at night to earn money. He was walking home. He was what some people might identify as, if you like, obviously gay. Yeah. And he got beaten up. And you know, the thing he said, oh, it's just heartbreaking, but I made sure that Fetu did it in the film. He said, I fought back. Yeah. That was the main thing he wanted wanted me to know. He fought back. So Fetu in the film, you wouldn't mess with him. You wouldn't mess with him. You know, mm. he would tear your lungs out. And the only reason that he manages to get beaten up is there's more than one person. Yeah. But but you put it out against the other part of the film where I remember when we did the test screening in Wellington, that was I went back and edited some stuff after that. But they asked people if you could come up with three descriptions of the film, how would you describe it standing back? And they said three things that I'm really pleased that's how it was read. They said, yes, it's somber, but it's beautiful and hopeful. And that's the film. So it's not a table banging, um, let's all talk about horrible. It just goes, there's actually hope. And there is things like love actually count and um, care counts. And it's not some rainbow colored marshmallow soft thing. It's actually practical and real. You know, Jim's dad's love for him counts. Yeah. You know, it counts for something. So, um, so uh, you know, I wanted to make a film that, that you went away feeling moved and, and positive, but also it haunted you. So three days later, you were thinking about the social condition of the world that those people populated. 
I, I love the fact that um, you know it is a love story and, and, and many different facets of love and the one big thing for me is that love can be repaired um, you know and I, I don't think that there was necessarily love lost there um, but there were, you know there was certainly frustration uh, and so some other emotions but um, you know it tells that story and I know uh, through reading that this film kind of came from that um, for you and your personal life and, and your part your, your your partner who sadly passed um, so I guess that it, that's an important part of this film right I mean it, it's, it's it's a huge part of the film absolutely it's the payoff I mean, most of us can remember the clunkiness of the first time we fell in love. You know, we, we it wasn't, it may have been looked good on the Hallmark cards, but it didn't really look good in retrospect, but it was still love. And mm. coming to terms with love is a big thing, you yeah. know, and, and I thought I wanted to create a film that was very authentic, that people would look at it and irrespective of what your gender or sexual orientation was, you would relate to it because those things were transferable. So it's not a gay ghetto film. It's a film that has gay characters and heterosexual characters and deep relationships inside it. And um, and I, I think that one of the things that many of us are blessed with in our life is to encounter love. Yeah. And love that's flawed and then try to work our way through it. And so, and I'm an optimistic man, you know, I, I <laughs> love very much in my life and I love a lot. And, and I thought you could tell hard things and still talk about love. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, right. Just before we go, of course, we've got to talk about the cast and we could talk about Tim Roth forever um, because it's Tim Roth and he's just incredible uh, and brilliant in this film. Um, but of course, um, I want to talk about the two younger stars in the film. Um, they were just magic. They were just magic. How was casting their their roles and and finding those two? Was it an instant like oh, I know these two are perfect? So Conan is from Dunedin. Conan, mm. who acts Fetu, is from Dunedin, and uh, it took three years to find him. Mm-hmm. Three years of casting, and I sat in on every audition. You know, and. Um, and I knew, I knew fairly soon that that was him because he didn't interpret the character, he possessed him. And so Fetu and Conan are not the same person at all, they're quite different, but he has enough to draw on to give that character a real livingness. And uh, it's, it's almost that a huge amount of his communication exists in what he doesn't say. You know, and that's the same way that Tim works. So Tim Roth gives a very restrained performance, but it's absolutely pregnant. Yeah. You know, whereas Jordan is a very who acts Jim is a very e- external and physical actor. And yeah. um, and and I I mean I like directing. I love I hate word directing. I love working with actors. Yeah. And helping them get to helping them get their interpret get to a rich place for the interpretation, and um. So Jordan, I actually found about two years before we shot, and we put him into boxing training. So if that fight, that's him. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, yeah. That's him. And he was so fit. And it was great because <laughs> when he had to do the training things, like with a medicine ball, you look at it and you go, what you're seeing there is one-fifth of the takes we took, end on end on end. This kid was so fit. 
and yes. uh, and yet and and yet at the same time he could go to the most vulnerable of places too. So I, those two, those two young actors, I I loved working with. Tim was so impressed that he contacted his London agent straight away to get them and said he wanted them on the books. Yeah, wow. That's how impressed he was with them. And they were, so they're very different, but the three of them, because the story's really about the three of them, neither takes the screen off the other. They all possess the screen in a different way. But one of the wonderful things, I think, of working with Tim was that they saw that a great actor knows about space, knows about not putting things in so that the one thing you do is louder than the three times you could repeat it. Yeah. And yeah. and so you see very powerful scenes like the last discussion between Jim and his dad at the breakfast table, very sparse and very powerful. Yeah. And um, and so it was a great opportunity for them to work with someone of that caliber who is no ego. He's so good. And he... he Loved them. He loved New Zealand because it, was, it wasn't locked down with COVID, and he's very, uh, very intelligent guy. Yeah, and and uh, so it was great for them to be able to work with somebody of that caliber who is not a bloated ego, whose craft is around subtract strategic subtraction. I guess that's it. But they were they're great, and they absolutely shine on screen. Yeah, those two guys. They were they amazing. Shine. Marvellous. Uh, it's such a wonderful film. It's full of surprises. Uh, it's an important story. I, th- I, I, Stan's character, to me, is extremely important. Um, you know, the father um, and how he deals with some of those things, as much as everybody's character is and the things they go through their lives. But I don't know, I guess as a father myself, I don't know. There's just there's so much in him. Uh, and the way he handles some things like his son being queer um, that is so important for a lot of I think for a lot of um, people to see so uh, wonderful wonderful characters uh, a wonderful uh, film and setting um, that is a character in itself so you've done a marvellous job so well done congratulations uh, that's great I'm looking forward to come, I'm coming down to Dunedin this weekend that's right screening down there so that'll be lovely I think there's going to be a and a after the session yeah, so, so which I they always terrify me, but they actually <laughs> always work out well. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, hey, look, you're a lecturer; you should be used to that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that is happening. Uh, that's on the 14th um, at Rialto, and then there's another screening on the 16th as well. Um, hey, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you for the quality of the questions. That was great. Oh, that was well, great thank, stuff. Thank, thank yeah. you. Well, uh, tra- travel, travel well. Um, to come and see us down south. Bring your willies. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, will, I will. I have family from down there, so I know I, I love Dunedin. Yeah. I love Dunedin. Right. Um, All right. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks for listening to Radio 191 FM podcast. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz.